becoming a composer is about sharing your music. The music that you, whatever you create has to then become um, observed by someone else or performed by someone else in my case. Um, so it was really about having the bravery to get over that one crucial step of I have created this thing and now I'm gonna share it with somebody. Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin. And with us today, we have Jesse Montgomery, who is an acclaimed composer, violinist, educator, member of the Catalyst Quartet, and has just recently joined the faculty of the Manus School of Music. Uh, she's the recipient of multiple awards. Uh, as always, I'll let you read the bios of our wonderful, amazing guests. Uh, but I should share that I feel uniquely lucky to have been able uh, to know Jesse now for literally a couple of decades uh, and be able to see the breadth of her extraordinary work. So it is an honor to have you on the show. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you so much, Erin. It's such a pleasure to be able to speak with you and thank you for inviting me in conversation. This is really a treat, so. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it and I know your schedule must be really swamped these days. And, <laughs> uh, and for this show, uh, our, uh, one of our creative partners, the Dallas Symphony, really joined us to kind of co-curate and, and to select you as a guest to talk about, especially some of these aspects that relate to uh, composing, uh, not only the work that you're doing uh, in Dallas, but how this kind of impacts and ripples through our field. Um, so why don't we just start off with, you're doing some incredible work with Dallas. Can you kind of share a little of that with our viewers? Sure. So um, last fall, I was invited to um, take part in the first ever uh, Women in Classical Music conference that was hosted by the Dallas Symphony um, last fall. And I got to, I flew out um, and uh, gave a um, kind of a, a talk back a conversation about um, about new music's role in the future of orchestras um, and so that was um, and it was also um, they performed my piece Starburst which was commissioned by the Sphinx organization in 2013 uh, and um, so they performed that piece that weekend, and then we had the conference, uh, which was an incredible um, event uh, that they'll continue on to have this fall. And I'll be coming back um, virtually um, to uh, participate in the conference this fall. Um, and I am uh, slated to have a new work um, premiere by the Dallas Symphony in 2022. So um, that's an exciting, and that's gonna be, uh, I'm really looking forward to that because we're, you know, pull, we're gonna pull out all the stops for that one. <laughs> we, there's no, we're having no restrictions on instrumentation, really. I mean, not no restrictions, but I have I've been, been, giving, been given the uh, kind of a carte blanche as, uh, uh, from Peter Cherney, bless and thank you, Peter. Um, <laughs> For, um, that's yeah. got to be great as a composer to have that uh, freedom uh, to explore. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about kind of this idea of, of you know, women in composition, 
Um, and as it relates to orchestras, uh, you know, as you think about the, the time that you spent there and some of the ideas that you shared, you know, what do you say to those who, you know, say, why, why, why is this relevant? Why, why should we be talking about, you know, uh, women composers in orchestral mm -hmm. music? Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, we should be, for the same reason that we talk about having more diverse eth ethnic and national backgrounds, uh, of composers. Um, we talk also about having more representation by women. And, um, and these, these things are important because the more, you know, the more voices that we bring into the fold, the more music and the more, the more bountiful the art will become. I mean, there's just more, there's, um, why not? I mean, we have to, you know, the, the, one of the things that came up um, during the conference was, well, first of all, without, in, without even trying, I mean, the amount of people, women that were in the room that were creating art that was exceptionally poignant and right, you know, just, just a really alive and fresh and, and excellent and, um, was just astounding. I mean, you could spend an entire season or two on just the people who were in the room. And they did such such a fine job at um, sort of curating that uh, pool of artists and, and um, at administrators to sort of like get together and network with each other. And I think, you know, that they're just all, you know, what you get is you'll get an expansion of the art form. And I think that's what we all are looking for right now. That's absolutely awesome. And, you know, it brings to mind, you know, one of my uh, favorite quotes of Chimamanda Adichie. Uh, yeah. Here and she talks about this danger of a single story. Yes. And the danger of a single story is not that it is untrue, but that it is incomplete. And certainly the compositions we weave orchestrally in classical music are mm -hmm. incomplete. Yeah. When do you feel as... Um, as a, a female composer, when you compose, are there aspects of your gender that kind of become part of that process as, as you're creating? How does, does that kind of enter in? I, I, I wouldn't say that, no. I, um, you know, gender is, is what is a biological accident. Um, <laughs> and um, it doesn't, I mean, it certainly can't say that a note, uh, 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 Odetta, the the guitar rock uh, rock guitarist, um, she she had a quote that said, uh, "A note doesn't have a sex to it; it's either good or bad." <laughs> um, and so, was it Odetta or was it um, Oh Thorpe? Uh, uh, Rosetta Thorpe. Uh, Thorpe. Thornton. Oh, I'm going to get her name wrong. Rosetta. Oh gosh, gotcha. Sister Rosetta Tharp. Gotcha, gotcha. But and that idea that yeah. it's, it's good or bad and doesn't kind of carry that. Yeah, I think if anything, you know, the relevance of being a, a female composer is that um, I can serve as a rep, you know, as an example to other young women who want to compose, and they can see that I'm there doing it and doing it um, at, at really in a committed way. Um, and that that's, that's what's important. Um, and, and, and that it's not just a man's world anymore. 
um, and that we can find a way, you know, that we're all um, in this and able to participate in a, in, in a free spirited way. Awesome. Awesome. So to delve just a little bit more into this process, because I think for a lot of our viewers, um, we have, of course, there are those who are aspiring to follow in your footsteps. Uh, and, and I'll want to talk a little bit more about that. <clears throat> but I think there's also those who are administrators or those who might be, you know, performers who are more interpreters rather than creators. Uh, and, and who are looking and saying kind of, what is that creative process that, that you go through? So when you kind of begin that process, when an orchestra like the Dallas Symphony comes and says, you know, you've got carte blanche, you can just create and, you know, uh, uh, wherever you would like, um, what, what creative process do you go through? What are those first few steps that ultimately lead to um, the music that we hear? You know, um, I feel the way, I feel about composing the way um, Janusz Starker um, said one time about, um, about performing. There's this quote, I'm not gonna get it exactly right, but that um, his performances are in, in, in a way um, an interruption of his practice. <laughs> or right, <laughs> or right. It, it's yep. right, and that they have you know, they happen as part of a process of continuing to practice the cello. Right. Um, and I I feel the same. I'm I feel like I'm still I'm very much studying how to compose um, every time I sit down to compose. And um, the piece that I write for Dallas is going to be um, in process of. Um, some ideas that I've been working through um, in regards to orchestration specifically and, and using really large form vertical score. Um, and, um, and, you know, I have some, I have some sort of, I have a whole book of sketches. Um, the wonderful Gabriela Lena Frank um, advised me many, uh, maybe to about 10 years ago, she said, make sure you have a book of sketches that you keep track of all of your sketches. And I have now, I have several books full of sketches and they're, 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 they're inklings. Like there are ideas about color and about combinations of um, rhythms that I'm inspired by from listening to a very wide variety of music um, from classical to jazz to um, African music to blue, uh, bluegrass and Celtic music. I've been, became like a Celtic music fan at one point in my life. <laughs> oh. And, um, you know, and just sort of, yeah, and like re, you know, they still feel like as a composer and as, and also as an interpreter, um, you're, you're, yourself is like, you're, you're a processor. You process the information that comes in and then as, and then you use that information to then retranslate it in your own way. Um, and so just, I'll be, you know, and going through that process, um, I can't, I guess I can't tell you what the piece will be about because <laughs> it's pretty abstract at the moment, but, um, cool. but that's, yeah. Awesome. No, that's great. And, and helps to give us a little bit of insight into that process for you. Um, so one of the big things that we really like to do at the show is really, you know, help people to understand some of the functionalities of our field that all too often are not talked about. Mm -hmm. And so as I think about one of the things that so many aspiring composers 
um, and students who are looking, that seems like it's a mystery to them, which is, how do I become a composer? <laughs> so in short, my question to you is, how did you become a composer? <laughs> I've kind of known you this entire process, and I'm not exactly sure how <laughs> you became a composer, yet here you are, extraordinarily accomplished composer. So what would be fantastic is, could you kind of help illuminate for our audience, functionally, what was that process? What, how did you get started? How did that happen? And how could others potentially who want to follow in your footsteps be able to do that? Sure. Um, when we're talking about, so be, because being a composer means so many different things now, because especially with using uh, different kinds of technology, um, uh, so you're not, you don't have to be a composer that writes for, for people. You can be a composer that writes um, in Ableton and in Logic and records yourself and creates these like multi-dimensional layered things that, that you create. And then, so that's a, that's, that's a different way than what I'll discuss. Um, but for me, becoming a composer, um, but actually there's still one very essential point, which is becoming a composer is about sharing your music. The music that you, whatever you create has to then become um, observed by someone else or performed by someone else in my case. Um, so it was really about having the bravery to get over that one crucial step of I have created this thing and now I'm going to share it with somebody. And once you actually go through that first process and somebody receives it and says, oh, um, okay, well maybe my quartet, maybe we could play this. We'd love to play, you know, we'd love to like give this a read and maybe we'll record it. Oh, okay. And then now this recording, now I have this recording and I can put it up on my website or I can share it with another colleague or another friend. Um, it's very much about community. I mean, like most things, it's about community um, and about sharing what it is that you've created. So it was really, um, I, I wrote a thing, gave it to my friends, or I played it myself with my friends, um, and just kept kind of going through that process. And eventually your friends and your colleagues, as we go through this field, um, you know, we all kind of establish ourselves within the field and have and continue to have access to different um, venues and performing opportunities here and there. Um, and then it just, you know, hopefully if you do go through that process enough times, it starts to sort of replicate on itself. Um, and so certain, and certainly, I mean, in my case, having the support of the Sphinx organization to um, help commission some of their pieces uh, was huge so you know any kind of early early uh, communication with organizations um, who uh, may have commissioning uh, efforts in place um, starting those kinds of relationships is extremely important um, yeah and and any kinds of and there are lots of competitions that you can enter as well uh, that's another way to have uh, the opportunity to have other people view your work. So it's really about sharing. You're being brave enough to share what you've done. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, I think that definitely helps shed some light mm -hmm. on the process. The, um, um, yeah. So is there, uh, you know, it's interesting. We talked a little about, you know, this aspect of gender in composition. Um, have you found um, uh, that uh, any kind of challenges um, being a composer of color and or challenges or opportunities? And do you find that 
winds its way into your creative process at all? Hmm. Yeah, I would say as a as a black person, black creator, um, I have had I've had a couple of um, strange obstacles that I uh, fortunately at the time was a little too naive to realize what was going on. Um, but I have had uh, people try to hold hold me back um, because they prejudged me on my abilities. Um, and um, I luckily, like I said, I had I just went around it, and I because I I, I was like that was that was strange. Uh, let me try it another way, you know. Um, and so, um, and 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 also, you know, in working in a in classical music, which is a white European. Uh, construct um sort of i i i do like to bring in influences from like having grown up in new york city and like listening to a lot of hip-hop and jazz and r&b and and sort of harmonies that um that are reflective of that and also uh, i've been really interested in learning more about african music and so i've been sort of studying a little time, you know, very little at this point, but um, bits of West African drumming styles and rhythms um, that I've also sort of, again, like just been inspired by. Um, and so I've had, I've, I've wondered sometimes that putting those um, elements into the music would confuse the players or confuse the music or confuse the listening in some way. And I've had to, um, I've had to, you know, work through that um, so that I feel confident in my choices and not feel like I'm, um, uh, you know, so that I can feel confident in the, in the identity that lives within my music um, and within myself um, and feel honest in sharing that and and not try to um, code it in a way that, that uh, you know, that makes it comfortable for the players or for the listeners. Um, and I can say that I, I'm, I'm still working on that. And, um, and yeah, so that, that in a way becomes a, that has been a challenge for me that I know I, you know, there's, there are other composers who are more, much more bold than, than me in, in the process and where they are. I think I'm still sort of growing through that process. Um, yeah. And, and again, I mean, as a, as a woman, I think probably the hardest, one of the bigger challenges is, and will continue to be, um, being in a leadership role um because it more has for me for me i imagine it has to do with um sort of power dynamics in in the structure of how ensembles function um or bands um and leadership within a band um so you know exercising a leadership role as a as a woman um can be challenging depending on who you're working with um so those are some of the things um yeah that that, that i'm mm kind of working with. Awesome. Well, this is, this is amazing. And unfortunately, we're just about out of time. But I just want sure. to ask one last quick question, which is that, you know, thinking about some of those challenges that, you know, when you might have faced them, uh, whether, you know, relating to, to being a Black artist or gender or just mm -hmm. composing, I can only imagine there's got to be moments in time where you're like, where is it going to come from? Exactly. <laughs> How am I going to create? Um, what do you do in those moments that are hardest? What, what, do you have a way or a method or something that you go to that gives you that source of strength of mm -hmm. inspiration so that you can get past those obstacles? Mm -hmm. um, I, I meditate a lot and I write. 
Um, I do something other than compose usually um, when I have those moments. Um, take a walk, reflect. A lot of it has to do with, you know, you just have blocks because our, we're, you know, if we're really in a fully creative space, whatever comes in can be filtered organically and then re recreated and re reimagined. Um, and when that process is happening, it's really rewarding um, and feels good. When it's not feeling good, it's because you have a block. Um, and so I'm, it's really about like self-preservation and, and meditation and making sure that those pas passageways are open um, so that you can be fully present in your creative life. And so, oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> well, Jesse Montgomery, you truly are one of the arts engines that is powering human creativity <laughs> in our field. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's such a pleasure. Thank you.